0: Before we start, just a quick reminder that you can get a copy of my book, The Fix, or the electronic or audible version from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Audible, or at all major retailers. In reading The Fix, you'll learn how gender inequality works, what the 17 most common barriers are that all women face, and how gender inequality creates challenges to men's fulfillment at work. Most importantly, you'll learn what we can do to remove these obstacles and how we can begin to make workplaces work for everyone. So get your copy today and let me know what you think by leaving a review on Amazon.
1: Career female pilots make up about 5% of the industry. And as captains, just 2%. There are half a dozen organizations whose sole purpose is recruiting more women into the industry but these percentages have barely budged. And I believe that it's because the system is broken. Even when we do recruit women into aviation, they end up leaving. So I started doing some of my own research. I surveyed hundred female pilots. First question was, okay, where are the women? Why aren't they in the industry? And a lack of role model or the, I just didn't know I could do it was the big response. And the next biggest response, which was 24%, said that aviation has a negative culture. It's a good old boys club. Which was really surprising to me because that means nearly a quarter of these women think the number one reason is socially constructed barriers are holding women back.
0: I'm your host, Michelle King, and you're listening to The Fix, a podcast that shares the stories of remarkable people who are innovating and taking action to advance equality in the workplace and beyond. Most people know that the first machine-powered flight was accomplished by the Wright brothers in 1903. But what a lot of people don't know is that both brothers felt it was important to recognize the contributions of their sister Catherine Wright, who played a major role in their success. While Catherine didn't fly with her brothers until 1909, she knew everything there was to know about the working of their machines. She supported her brothers financially, giving them access to her savings, and also technically by finding teachers who could help. After the Wright brothers patented their aircraft in 1906, she worked as their executive secretary. Catherine was considered the silent partner of the Wright brothers and the driving force behind their success. Catherine's experience is not too dissimilar to a lot of women working in the aviation industry, whose experiences and contributions are often overlooked. Women's participation in the aviation industry has increased over the years. However, Women of Aviation Worldwide Week reported that after 1980, the increase in gender parity for women pilots in the United States has remained stagnant. The global number of women airline pilots is just 3%. On today's episode, Kimberly Perkins, an international captain and safety officer on Gulfstream 650 aircraft based in Seattle, and humanitarian activists through Aviation for Humanity, will reveal what the systemic barriers are to women's advancement in aviation and why the industry simply has to change. In the United States, women make up 47% of the total workforce but professional female pilots comprise 5% of the piloting workforce, a statistic that's remained largely unchanged in over four decades. Compared to other science, technology, engineering or math disciplines and traditionally male-dominated industries, aviation has one of the lowest percentages of women. And while women may have access to mentors, scholarships, conferences, magazines and even organizations that try to increase the abysmal 5% statistic. When pressed, experts will state the same old explanation for the abysmal number of women. It's a pipeline problem. And while there is certainly a challenge with getting more women into the industry, the real issue is the lack of support women encounter when they enter, as the aviation industry can be extremely unwelcoming to women, as Kimberly explains.
1: There's really two different aspects to this. We have some systemic bias, right? And then we have some cultural bias. And I think it's important to get into both of those. But just to kind of give a background, career female pilots make up about 5% of the industry. And as captains, just 2%. And I really believe these numbers are so dismal because the structure of the industry doesn't benefit the majority of working Americans. The current model of the industry was designed in an era that looks quite different than today's world. And there are half a dozen organizations whose sole purpose is recruiting more women into the industry but after four decades of recruiting, these percentages have barely budged. And I believe that it's because the system is broken. Even when we do recruit women into aviation, they end up leaving. Of all the student pilots in the United States, women make up 13%. But as they progress through the echelons of the industry, that number starts to deteriorate. And as they reach the level of their commercial pilot's license, that number's cut in half to just 6.5%. And if they reach that top tier license, which is what's required to be at the airlines or to be a captain, that number is just 4.3%. So even when we do get women into the industry, we start to lose them along the way, despite having all these wonderful organizations that are really trying to recruit women in. So I started doing some of my own research. I surveyed a hundred female pilots. First question was, okay, where are the women? Why aren't they in the industry? And a lack of role model or the, I just didn't know I could do it was the big response. And the next biggest response, which was 24%, said that aviation has a negative culture. It's a good old boys club, which was really surprising to me because that means nearly a quarter of these women think the number one reason is socially constructed barriers are holding women back. So then, of course, my follow-up question was, so some of these women are overcoming these barriers, but they're leaving. So I said, what's the number one thing we could change in the industry to prevent women from leaving? and 55% said better schedule predictability, while 33% said ending bias and discrimination. So we see bias show up in both why we can't recruit and why we can't retain. But I actually see bias in the very structure. So I want to talk a little bit more just about schedule predictability and how that's kind of inherently biased and how women tend to be disproportionately disadvantaged by the structure of it.
0: Women have been interested in aviation ever since the industry formed, participating in air races throughout the 1930s and becoming test pilots and flight instructors during World War II. Women have been and continue to be an integral part of the industry, even though the industry was never designed for women in mind. A fact that becomes abundantly clear the moment female pilots enter motherhood. Pilots
1: work all different types of schedules, right? It's pretty standard that we don't have a set Monday through Friday schedule, right? We work weekends, we work holidays, sometimes we pull all-nighters. And your flying schedule controls your life, right? It determines whether you can attend your kid's soccer game, birthday parties, anniversaries, holidays, whatever you deem is important for your family. And one way to control your schedule at the airlines is to gain seniority, which is based on longevity. So pilots bid on their schedule monthly, and the more senior you are, the more likely you'll get the schedule that you want. So, like let's say you're a really senior first officer, you might get the days off that you want without having to use up your limited number of vacation days. And while this might appear non-gendered, if you actually look closely at how it plays out and you look at the data, you'll see that women are more negatively affected. So I looked at one month snapshot of a pilot base at a major airline. And I looked at all the senior first officers. So these are all the people, men and women, that could hold captain positions. So they were senior enough at their company, but they were holding themselves back, which means that they weren't advancing to that captain role. They were actually taking a relative pay cut, but what they were gaining is control over the schedule. And of all the people that were doing this, women were three times as likely to be holding themselves back. But it isn't an isolated problem at that airline. I actually surveyed a larger group of women and found that 62% said that they hold themselves back from promotion because they thought advancement would deteriorate their quality of life. So women are missing from the top rung of aviation industry because the system structure benefits those that are free of caregiving responsibilities. And by a large margin, those free from caregiving responsibilities are not the women. And just to elaborate on that, If you board your flight and you look up front, let's say you get on the airplane, you look to the left and you see a man and a woman in the flight deck. Probability is you won't, but let's say that you do and you go, oh, great. All things are equal now. But if you look closely, the data doesn't show that. 44% of dad pilots have a stay-at-home partner handling caregiving responsibilities. And if you look at mom pilots, you have to compare this to only 6.7% have the same setup. That means being a male pilot, you are six times more likely to have a partner at home handling caregiving responsibilities, which allows you to focus on your career, right? So that means that men have more opportunity to say yes to the pop-up trips or schedule changes or being able to take that early upgrade to captain. So unless we make the systemic change in the structure of how we schedule, women will be missing from the flight deck. And it also goes to show that when women are forced to choose between their career and their children, they'll choose their children. So we need to design a system that doesn't require them to choose.
0: It's too easy to deny the challenges women face, putting their lack of representation down to motherhood or low confidence and motivation. The aviation industry is really an excellent case study into the gendered nature of most workplaces. Since the beginning, organizations have been designed by men and for men, with almost no regard to the different needs, contributions, and motivations that all women have. Even the word pilot is gendered, as it's so strongly identified as male. To break down the barriers women face in aviation or any industry, we must start with examining the default male standard for what good looks like, if we ever want to build a work environment that values both men and women.
1: Men have been the default in aviation for as long as I have ever experienced it. Even going back a decade and a half, when I was a new flight student, I really wanted to make sure that I meshed well with my fellow students who were mostly guys. And I sought the advice from someone I I looked up to. She was a female pilot a few years ahead of me. And she said, the best thing I could do was to blend in, just be one of the guys. And I was new to the industry and I followed her advice. I bought cargo pants and I wore a golf shirt and I pretended that, you know, sexist comments didn't really bother me. I tried to be one of the cool people that could fit in, but that was not who I was, right? In fact, Michelle, you talk about this in your book about conformity and how it gains you social capital. And that was exactly my experience. The more I could blend in, the larger my aviation network became. And it's looking back that I see that I was part of the problem, by buying into this type of bias. And I want all girls, I want all people to know that they can succeed in aviation and do great things while remaining their 100% authentic selves. And women are given all sorts of advice on how to succeed in business, right? We're supposed to speak up, but not too loudly, or we'll be shrill. We're supposed to stand up for what we believe in, but not too strongly, or we'll be aggressive. We're promised this opportunity for equality, but as women gain seniority, we're deemed less likable. So we have this double bind. And women tend to have to prove their competency and are twice as likely to be mistaken for a junior position than their male counterparts. And I actually polled a group of female pilots asking if they had ever experienced this type of bias. I asked them if they've ever been called the diversity hire or token resulting in them feeling like they had to prove their worth. And within a 24-hour period of the poll being open, I had 305 female pilots respond. And 80% of them said, absolutely, I have experienced this. I've been called a token. So it's quite prevalent in aviation. And it's this type of bias, the implicit, that's so harmful to gender equality because it's insidious, it's more prevalent, and sometimes it's seemingly socially acceptable. But it perpetuates the age-old stigmas and stereotypes that have been holding women back and that women have been fighting against for years. So it's time to point it out and it's time to make a change.
0: Transforming the aviation industry will require action from the government, organizations and leaders. Here, Kimberly shares what solutions will make a difference.
1: I think if we approach it from the very top and we work our way down, there's so many great solutions, right? So on a federal level, our country needs to adopt the International Civil Aviation Organization's recommended practices for pregnancy leave. So this International Civil Aviation Organization, it's an organization that's a, a special agency of the United Nations, and they come up with uh, standards and recommending practices, which they put out so that all countries can adopt and have a worldwide standard for aviation. But not all countries adopt their recommendations. So they say that pregnant pilots shouldn't fly in their first and third trimester. Unfortunately, our governing authority, which is the Federal Aviation Administration, doesn't pass along this recommendation. They do say that pregnant pilots should reduce their exposure to radiation, but they don't say how. So there's no guidelines for policy around that. And then big picture, another way that federal government could support women is by offering tax breaks to companies that are hiring pilot moms back into the industry after taking time away for caregiver or offer subsidized loan for recurrent training. So um, recurrent training is a special type of training for your particular jet. And it's a week-long training. And it is, any, depending on your jet that you fly, anywhere between five and $30,000 for this one week of training. And usually companies would pay for this training, but if you didn't have pregnancy leave or you didn't have maternity leave and you had to quit your job, which is the case for a lot of women, you could be confronted with paying this bill just to be marketable to get back into the industry. So that's kind of high level what the federal government could do. But what I'm really excited about is the Federal Aviation Administration just a few months ago came up with this Women in Aviation Advisory Board. So it's the first time we see a government sanctioned board responsible for solving this problem. And that's a huge step forward. But I do hope they see there's a need for this systemic change in structure and a culture shift. And so the current system benefits those that are free of caregiving responsibilities. And that doesn't tend to be women. If you look in the United States, by the time women reach age 44, 80% of us have had a children. We also know that women do 75% of the unpaid labor. So that means, by and large, if there's a bias against caregivers, uh, that's a bias against women, right? So some quick fixes and overviews for this board to look at, you know, is just ask them to go through some basic things that other industries have, right? So like sick kid at home, well, most male pilots have a stay-at-home partner to handle that. Maternity leave, probably not offered. Maternity uniform, that's not a thing. A place to pump, and oftentimes we're told that that's special treatment. So this advisory board will do great things, but we have to look at the systemic issues involving policy structure that, you know, really needs to focus more on how do we make it more family friendly. And they have to look at that culture shift, but that's all high level. So at a company level, all different companies within the aviation industry, they really could analyze how they're conducting their scheduling and how do they offer schedule predictability. In an article I wrote, it was published a few months ago, I advocated for business and corporate aviation to offer workload variation, meaning you could reduce your flight schedule by 10, 20% or so, which would come with a pay reduction of equal percentage, but you could reduce the amount that you're flying. And I surveyed active female pilots within business aviation to see if this is something they would actually use. And 84% said, absolutely. And pilots could also share the job of flying, right? Go 50 50. At some airlines, flight attendants are allowed to share a flying schedule. So why not pilots? And why aren't we seeing more positions like director of inclusion, right? Or equality, diversity, and inclusivity strategist positions within airlines, major charter companies? They should be creating this position. Companies have so much opportunity to make improvements, but the ball's in their court. And then on an individual level, all of these changes are going to start with individuals. And so we have to remember that words matter and we must model good behavior.
0: Finally, Kimberly shares one action that all men can take to champion women in the aviation industry. Not all
1: men are the problem. In fact, many of my allies are very evolved and woke men. These issues That we're talking about here, they're not women's issues, they're human issues. Making women the ones responsible to end gender bias implies that it has nothing to do with men, which denies that bias and sexism, it's actually a relationship in which both genders are involved. So it's time that we all take responsibility and we'll make more progress when we include everyone in the fight, and then to the male pilots out there, and to all men, really. Please stop being shocked when women share their stories, right? Be outraged with us. Listen and really listen and become an ally. When you hear someone perpetuating that locker room talk or belittling women, it's important to speak up. Right? You don't have to run to HR, but you can just say, that's not cool, or I don't want to hear that. and You can change that culture from within, and that is so powerful. Within aviation, I've met so many of well intentioned men that just assume the industry doesn't have a bias nor discrimination issue. And they assume this because they're open minded and inclusive. That's how everybody operates. But this type of denial actually perpetuates the systemic bias as it invalidates the experiences of women. And by denying the need for change, we're contributing to the problem. So, on an individual level, we must all really listen to our fellow coworkers because change is only possible when enough people rise to the occasion to fight for it.
0: I really enjoy digging deep into a specific industry and to use it as a case study for examining the challenges that all women face at work, because these difficulties are universal. Whether it's bias, discrimination, exclusion, sexism, gendered racism, or marginalization, all of these experiences exist in different ways in just about any industry because we simply don't value men and women in the same way. Inequality is everywhere, and so it's going to take all of us to fix it. We can start by sharing our stories, developing our understanding of these issues, and taking action to practice allyship and advocate for change. I really do hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Just a quick reminder that you can sign up to my weekly newsletter at michellepking.com and you can also reach out to me there for interview requests or to be featured on the show. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you all again next week.